Hello and welcome to the Future of Australia podcast. Here I interview the entrepreneurs running the fastest growing businesses in Australia. These interviews will be around the themes of entrepreneurship, new ideas, business, innovation, capitalism and successful enterprise being the motor that will drive Australia forward. I will be telling the stories of the people who are making it possible and as they grow and strive further will become a bigger and bigger part of Australia's future. My name is Derek Stewart, your host and the founder of Future of Australia. Check us out at futureofaustralia.com to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter, get exclusive content and ensure you never miss an episode. For questions or comments, email me at derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404-689-897. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Future of Australia podcast. In this episode, I interview Demi and Steve Berry, a husband and wife pair behind the fast-growing Queensland real estate company called Pinnacle Sales and Management. We discuss how they grew their business 35% last financial year, closing in on $800,000 of annual turnover, making them one of the fastest-growing young businesses in Australia and a FinReview fast starter. We cover a lot around the topic of family business, from being in business with their spouse to their parents' influence, to their kids' future, and of course, real estate and entrepreneurship. If you're interested in residential or commercial, buying, selling, leasing or management on Brisbane or the Gold Coast, check them out at pinnaclesm.com.au, that's P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E-S-M.com.au. Demi and Steve. Alright, so we'll get started. Uh... So we're here today with uh, Demi and Steve from Pinnacle Sales and Management, uh, which is a real estate company based in uh, across both the Gold Coast and Brisbane. Um, can you both just describe a bit about sort of your background and what you were doing before you started uh, Pinnacle and sort of how you got to, uh, to where you are? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in the construction industry for almost 15 years and then um, from there I decided to go back and start to study business commerce and um, that's when the career change started to happen for me and um, yeah, how I ended up in real estate it sort of came from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I left school I did a double degree business majoring in communications and public relations and law and I practiced as a solicitor for a number of years. Um, the law that I did uh, was a lot to do with commercial uh, and property, um, which obviously lends itself to real estate. Uh, real estate was one of my uh, specialties that I studied at university as well, one of my electives. Um, Steve and I obviously are married. Uh, we have children, five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And when we had um, our first child, we had a chat about career changes and what we could do to build a business um, with a view to obtaining flexibility um, and also financial security for our family. Um, and with our combined skill base, we thought real estate um, had huge potential. Yeah, so, so you're both sort of on the... Um... The supporting industries, I suppose you would call it, for the the real estate, and um, 
had you sort of bought and sold your own properties before or how did you first sort of decide like again you're you're supporting the industry construction sort of property law and then how did you decide to sort of start your own agency um i think um like you said because we were both although different sectors but we're both in um supporting industries so i think in a lot of ways real estate sort of found us rather than than we found real estate um so even though our careers were both very different or our original careers um, they both had that common thread of um, being a support industry to real estate. Um, that's sort of um, how the business evolved from there. We we felt we had um, good skills, skills that weren't necessarily that most that a lot of real estate agents don't have. You know, they might they don't have trades, or they mightn't have um, practiced in the legal industry. So we thought we had a good skill set, um, and we found that. Um, people out there, developers and um, investors appreciated that and um, and that's sort of how we got into real estate, just because of the, that broad skill base in the, in the supporting trades and professions. And we both dealt with, I guess, real estate professionals in mm-hmm. both residential and commercial arenas, buying and selling our own homes and investment properties, um, but also with our previous occupations, we dealt with the industry a lot. Yeah, so I imagine your clients see that you're bringing sort of almost like a full service, broader sort of support system, but on a still on a boutique sort of scale, which, like you said, is is very rare. And, and so, was it your first time for both of you? Uh, I mean, running a business. Did you ever run other businesses prior to this? Um, well, we're both from small business backgrounds, being that both our parents had. Um businesses so we're from small business families um and then after my trade i did take over um and start my uh, bricklaying company um the sort of six or seven years before this so i had um some business background um from that although it's in a different industry so i guess we knew and those um business skills are very very important to have obviously when you're running your own business to have been exposed to that um it's very very hard work it's 24 7 you don't clock off ever um the fact that we were both brought up in those environments i think we knew what it would take you know that this this business is like a third child for us It, it is a big commitment we didn't underestimate the commitment um and we know, uh, you know, how hard it will continue to be and what we have to put into it. So we weren't shocked by that, which is another um, reason that I think we've been successful um, and, and growing at a great rate. 
Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Like both, both your your parents being um, in business and also knowing exactly what you're getting into, which I think a lot of people don't um, when they sort of start a business. If they haven't been closely worked in a business or families in a business, they sort of don't always know what they're getting into. So um, having your eyes wide open is very good. Um, and, and was it your first, so you're a husband and wife, so it's a family business. Um, you know, obviously you're um, married, doing all the sort of personal stuff together, but then you're also in a 24-7 business together. Um, can you speak a bit about that journey of sort of being in, you know, biz- business partners with your life partner and, and having a family business? It's fantastic, but then it's also awful. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be clear on when it's our home time and when it's our work time, um, which I'm working on at the moment. Steve's a lot better um, than me at that, at switching off. Yeah, it, it can cut into your private life, sort of business never stops, but um, we don't mind that. And it has a lot of um, upside to it as well, as in you're always working with someone that you know and trust. Mm-hmm. Um, the trust is so there's thing. never an issue. Um, that you know you can always confide in your business partner because yeah mm. they're also your spouse and your goals are obviously aligned you know which in some other partnerships they might not be um and our goals not just financial obviously they're aligned for the family but also um i guess morally values as well our core sort of values mm-hmm. of integrity um hard work and honesty are the same which i think is really important to be on the same page with a business partner in that sense yeah, that's a very good point. Um, so uh, you're in the Fin Review Fast Starters, the 100 fastest growing sort of young businesses, growing 35% last year and now turning over close to $800,000 a year. Um, was there anything in particular you sort of changed or focused on or you would sort of attribute that recent sort of growth spurt to? Forward that lease information to an administrative assistant, 
taken that into top management level. So, and that seems to have been received very well. Um, if that makes sense, we've sort of flipped some of the traditional, um, I guess, tasks in the industry. In the business model. In the yeah. business model. Um, and also, again, as Steve said, just having that, a lot of our landlords are value-add landlords, so they um, are looking to obviously increase capital value of their assets, increase the financial return, but also um, often develop uh, around their assets or do similar developments as those that they have at the moment. Um, so understanding the network, I guess, between town planning, architects, builders, uh, real estate professionals, lawyers, um, is also something else I think has contributed to, to that strong growth. Yeah, so, so you've mentioned you found a niche, like you're saying, sort of some of the small sort of shopping strips or sort of small shopping centres that, you know, the really big guys, I guess, you know, the buy entire shopping complexes aren't sort of touching. Is is that one of your main sort of niches or you've got quite a few well, other types of yeah, clients? Well, the main, our retail, um, so our retailers, our neighbourhood centres would be um, an anchor tenant like Coles and then 30 to 40 specialty stores. Mm-hmm. So... And you mentioned sort of like the, um, the the business model and sort of the team structure being a bit different than normal, like understanding the value of, you know, the accurate data and not just delegating it to sort of a junior admin person, but making that a priority. Is there anything else sort of in your business model or how you've structured your, your staffing or your teams that you feel is quite different than what other real estate agencies are doing? Um, on our, obviously, we did commercial and residential. So mm-hmm. on our commercial side, we are a bit And so obviously everyone wants to grow, you know, every business owner wants to grow, but with it sort of comes challenges. So so what are some of the um, the challenges maybe that just, you know, growth and in, you know, scale, I guess, and staffing and complexity and, and how have you sort of managed or, or dealt with those? Yeah, so they're all the questions that keep you awake at night, but... Um... <laughs>
to have checks and balances and streamline things. And then then growth's a bit like starting up a business. Then when you mm. when you bring on it, you know, when you grow in a chunk, you know, say maybe in a, two years after we started, you pick up a big amount of work in, in six months, then it's kind of like you're back in mm. the deep water again. Mm. And, um, and you sort of go through the process again. And as you take that step into the deeper water, you adjust to the current and your checks and balances mm. come uh, again and you rely on, you know, updated, you know, making sure you're at the front of the technology that's available. And um, I feel it's a bit like that. It's a, um, each time as you grow, you jump into the deep water and you just have to adjust to the currents again and um, to make sure that you're still accurate and providing a good service while you grow. Um, you know, some good advice even in the construction industry I had um, for smaller businesses um, was, you know, just be careful of not getting too big too quick because mm-hmm. I think that's when um, if, you, if, you're chunk, if you're growing in steps that are too big for you, that's when you don't get time to readjust with your checks and balances and your new staff training and, and things like that. So we're um, really mindful which of that. Um, which we, we like to be conscious of that just to... No one likes saying no to work, <laughs> you know, but sometimes it's the work you say no to that defines you, you know, and I've found if we've done that in the past and just said, look, it's actually not the right time, we're just betting down this particular, you know, centre or job at the moment, those people inevitably use us later down the track so that's been an interesting observation um throughout the growth process and i think staffing staffing's everything um i i think as well so just finding the right people um there's no point you know having having staff turnover we don't have we haven't had any staff turnover um so yeah finding the right people who are there for the long term just not having to again have that revolving door with staff which takes you back to square one with training um, and all the intellectual property that they've learned along the way is lost you know so that's probably the other thing we're mindful of yeah and, and it seems like you've got a bit of a different sort of mindset like i mean there's sort of a little uh you know small real estate agencies kind of on every second corner especially for sort of the residential market um but from the way you describe it, it sounds like you've really got sort of a bigger vision and sort of uh, picture for sort of where you want the business to be and the value you're bringing and the scope of services you're offering and the again the way you're even planning your growth it seems like you really have a larger sort of ambitions for it rather than just being a sort of a local corner um, real estate agency. from beginning to end so a lot of residential property um, 
is broken up the task so you might have a leasing agent you know then a um, management person who does management person who does the uh, you know administration or whatever so we find that a bit disjointed um just having someone involved from beginning to end so they manage less properties um by themselves but they're offering that full service yeah that's a that's a good point as well um so you're sort of like i said you're in brisbane and also covering the gold coast um I'm based in Melbourne, so maybe I'm a bit biased, but sort of in the media, I, I sort of, you hear a lot of talk about Melbourne and Sydney sort of real estate, again, in the sort of mass media, um, but, you know, you're focusing on Brisbane and Gold Coast and doing extremely well. Um, can you talk a bit, maybe sort of broadly, about your sort of thoughts on the real estate market in, um, you know, Brisbane compared to the, the rest of the East Coast and sort of Australia in general? I think it's a, it's a good point. I think, like I said, there's a lot of noise in sort of Melbourne and Sydney about how high prices are, but it's probably not being said in as much of a positive way. But then it's sort of, like you said, in Brisbane and Gold Coast, or again, maybe in different sort of circles, people are talking up, it's a good thing that in Brisbane it's lower because, again, like you said, the purchasing power and, and the different categories and, and the future growth um, is sort of there. But maybe just down in Melbourne and Sydney, around the sort of coffee shops is sort of the noise is sort of too loud it sort of drowns it out a bit but um but no like you said there's lots of growth um where you are and and great things happening and great value all right um so so you mentioned you're you're sort of both from you know small business owner families and you've both been involved in sort of small businesses and running little businesses and and sort of being entrepreneurs and, and and what about sort of entrepreneurship in australia in general um you're dealing with other sort of business owners as uh, tenants and investors and other people. Um, uh, you know, what do you think Australia is sort of doing well in encouraging new business and entrepreneurship and, and where could it perhaps improve? Okay. Um, Jack, can you hear us okay? Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, 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 no, I just uh, dropped out for a second there. So I was just talking about sort of, um, you know, entrepreneurship in new business and um, in Australia more generally. You know, what do you sort of feel Australia is doing well to sort of encourage and promote and facilitate uh, new business and business growth? And, and where is it maybe, um, where could it improve? There's a few interesting points in there that I'd like to sort of dig into a bit deeper. So you mentioned, like you said, with technology, there's sort of no, um, you know, physical sort of limitations to running like a national or even, again, international, like dealing with international clients, sort of real estate business. Sort of looking five or ten years down the road for yourselves, do you see that in your sort of roadmap, becoming like a national Australian sort of brand or, you know, expanding into more cities around Australia? Um, the, the the sky's the limit with technology. 
Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure of the full story, but even that high smile, yeah, you know, I knew a couple of guys, I think they were from the coast, 25 and 26, started that teeth whitening thing, high smile, um, and that's their just huge now, you know, and they've relied heavily on technology and social media and the likes of Instagram and celebrity endorsements. So for a business like that, it's, um, yeah, technology is just what's based on technology. It's technology-based almost, good product and then technology, so... And I think one of the real benefits we get from technology in real estate is, um, uh, regardless of which areas you, you want, we expand into, um, technology gives us the ability to always expand our client base to greater areas because investors um, that who are offshore or um, in other parts of Australia, we can really service clients who live anywhere in the world uh, through technology that want to invest in the areas we're operating in. Um, so even if it doesn't mean we buy and sell real estate nationally or globally, we can service clients go globally through, um, yeah, through our technology platform. Yeah, and I think that's a good distinction, like you said, with technology enabling commerce. It's not just about you yeah, offering uh, properties and management across Australia. It could be you have a niche where you're the, the experts in, a, in your local area, but because the opportunities, like you said, you're servicing clients all across the world. Um, so in that way, you're a global business, even if you're not sort of um, located in lots of different parts of Australia, but your clients are, and that's, you know, that's a global business in itself, that you're not restricted to your sort of local geography like someone might have been you know, decades ago uh, who was in the real estate business. And, and one other point, again, just to sort of go a bit deeper. So um, talking about sort of the future and um, obviously talk, uh, touched on technology, but you also, uh, like we said, you're a family business, husband and wife at the moment. You've got young kids. Um, I mean, in the future, do you see it as the sort of business that like, you would like them to be involved in your business in the same way that, you know, you went into business ownership after your parents or would, you know, are, are you doing anything or thinking of any ways as they grow up to sort of encourage that or um, have yeah, you thought much in that sense? So we're setting an example that you can do, go out and do, you know, what you want to do and choose mm-hmm. to start your own business, whatever that might be. Um, if they showed an interest in the family business, we'd be really happy with that, but we'd also be, you know, supportive of anything they did. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, they're yeah, already we sort of... Well, they're young, we wouldn't encourage it or discourage them into any particular industry, but certainly from what we've seen, it's um, the industry your parents are in, if they're in their own business, is the first industry you're exposed to, and it seems to be then quite often the industry you're most comfortable in, and a lot of kids do end up working in the same industry that their parents might have run businesses in, so... But again, yeah, just setting them that example. Yeah, but also just setting them the example, you know, that, like I said before, that, well, you can follow your dreams and uh, do what you want and um, believe in yourself and uh, make successful things happen. So I'm really happy setting those sort of, providing those life lessons to the kids, whether they um, go and do something else or, or not. I think it's important for them to know. Yeah, I think that's the core, like you said, setting that example of, you know, deciding what you want and then pursuing it with all your energy and it's it's up to them to pick what they want, but you're setting the sort of, here's the process and um, proof that sort of, you know, you can pursue it and do it if you, if you push it and believe in it. 
um, yes. which again applies to no matter what they pursue, whether they want to become actors or doctors or business owners or anything. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah. Motivation, um, all of those examples that you're teaching them is of utmost importance. Hmm. All right. So, so one sort of final um, point to sort of touch on. I just wonder, sort of, what would you tell? Um, because we've sort of jumped sort of past future, I mean, sort of uh, future stuff a bit, your past, uh, you know, if you were sort of sitting next to sort of your 18 or 20-year-old self, um, you know, and obviously now you've learned a lot of things and done more, what advice would you maybe looking back just sort of say to that younger version of yourself or even just a young person who's um, who's sort of 18 or 20 now perhaps and sort of, you know, looking at different things and... And just like you were saying before about those core skills, like you want to show your kids, it's because, again, they transfer to no matter what you're doing. So if you're building those skills in a different role, bricklaying or, you know, retail or, or sort of it's sort of years later, you look back and then see how that core skill sort of transferred, even in a whole different se- sector. Yeah, it creates, yeah, it still creates the, the right work ethic. Mm. Mm. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, Demi and Steve, for the chat and uh, for hearing about your story and what you're up to and, and what your sort of future looks like as well. Um, and, yeah, I look forward to, yeah, seeing you progress and expand and, and continue to evolve. Fantastic. Thank you for listening. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend about it who you think may enjoy the content and get something useful out of it. Feedback, comments, likes or dislikes, you can reach me by emailing Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404 689 897. Thank you.